the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1800270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1800889 9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Good day, all of you beautiful people. Welcome to the sessions. I have on a real rad chick today. I feel like she has done everything, like such a kick-ass career whether she's covering hockey, whether she's dabbled in the MMA world, whether she's covering the Olympics, like she has done, she has her own show, Drinks with Binks. She has really had like such an amazing career. And dare I say, I was almost there from like the beginning. Her and I go way, way, way back again to our days at the score. I feel like I hearken back to those days a lot, but it's not my fault that so many awesome people came out of those days. So... Thanks to Score for creating such awesomely talented people. <laughs> um, so Julie Stewart Banks is my guest today. Um, like I said, she's just such a badass. She is like really taken her own career by the cojones and made the most uh, of of everything that she does. And what I love too is like so often we it's not a, just a matter of getting like comfortable, but I feel like we always get put in boxes of like, oh, you're the hockey girl. Oh, you're the wrestling girl. Oh, you do this. You do that. I love that she does not conform to any of those things. Like she just does. She moves on to the next thing and and dabbles in things and isn't afraid to try doing new things. And there's something like incredibly admirable about being able to do that. And then also like just kick ass while you're doing it. So Pat on the back to my girl, JSB. Uh, But here, you guys should learn some more about her if you don't already know already. So here she is. This is Julie Stewart Banks. Okay, let's run things all the way back because I remember you coming. I talked about this when I got to do your show many moons ago. Um, But when you came in, we both worked at the score. You were interning at the score when I was there. Um, I believe I saw what was one of your very first on cam moments. Oh, nothing to be ashamed of. It was a moment like you were great. Um, I look like I'm like a 60 year old woman in like my H&M like full suit that I have or like my Susie Shear like full suit where I was like, I am a reporter at the score. But I feel like you did a really great job. Like I I remember it being good. I don't remember it being like, oh my God, what's this girl doing? Like, I think it, like, I feel like you did a really great job. Um, When you came in and you were interning at the score, like you were just so eager to learn. You wanted to be that sponge. You wanted to kind of be around everybody and see how everything worked. Um, Then I left. I moved away. I did all these things. What was your next step after the score? Well, first of all, my internship was, I feel like, like just basically make a wish for me to like be there because I was doing um, my master's in England at the time. And so we got three international internships and I was like, cool, I want to do one when I come home to Canada for Christmas. And I was able to in the month of January, but it was not like I was part of Ryerson or like Seneca or Western or anyone that had like a program with the score. It was just like, 
Julie's coming from England and she wants to like intern here. And so I just kind of like, whatever, went around and hung out with people and would go on watch shoots. That's where I met Adnan too. And like, obviously Cabby and like seeing all these people. And it was just cool to kind of like be in and around it. And then I went back to England, finished school there. And then, yeah, decided to come back to Canada because I interned at CBC's London Bureau, which was so cool, like to be, you know, you get like doing the British parliamentary election and like all this kind of stuff where Peter Mansbridge was there. He like flew in and and did it. I remember being like, oh my gosh, Peter Mansbridge. Also super (laughs) Canadian reference here. (laughs) I love it. I love talking Canadian things. It, It really makes me happy and it makes me miss home so much. It's like, yeah, it's kind of funny. You forget that like, uh, I have Peter Mansbridge's book and like I talked with him earlier this year, just some career advice. And I was like, man, Spike, that's my boyfriend. I'm like, your boyfriend's name Spike. Yeah, that's his like nickname. But like, that's what that's he goes great. By. That's like some John Hughes shit right there. I know it is. It's 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 pretty intense. He's the opposite of what that would sound like. So he doesn't ride a motorcycle and wear a leather jacket. No way. He's he's an indoor cat is what I call him. Um, mm. <laughs> anyway. but we don't like cats anyway. Um, and, and so Peter Mansbridge was like, I remember just being like getting all of the confidence I had ever had in my life. And there, it was like, there was a big party for someone's going away party that night. And I went up to Peter Mansbridge and I was like, hi, I'm Julie Sorbanks. Like I'm interning here, big fan. Would love to be able to help you out while you're here, whatever. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, I will need someone to like help me during the election. Like, whatever printing stuff or like as a runner or anything. And it's like, I'm on it. And then my intern boss was like, Julie, you can't just like go up to Peter Mansbridge and like ask him that, like that puts him in a pretty odd position. And I was like, what? Like, there's no other interns here. Even it was just like me. <laughs> there's like 10 people in the entire bureau, like at all. So like, no, you're not like, you can't do that. That's just like, not, not cool. I was like, um, aren't we supposed to be like, learn these skills of like how to network and like do this kind of stuff, whatever. So Peter was super sweet. He's like, well, listen, when you come back, whenever you come back to Canada, like, what do you want to do or anything? I was like, I want to work at hockey night in Canada. And so he introduced me to a woman who still works there, runs hockey night, Kathy Broderick. And I interviewed for like a shot listing position, which is kind of like logging games. And I got it. And then, but you know, when you're younger in the industry, like I met at the time the head of hockey night in Canada who ironically ended up hiring me for the Olympics last year because he works with the Olympics now and he's like I remember so well you coming into my office being like I'm here at hockey night in Canada like put me on tv I did shit like that all the time I'm obviously ready let's go and people are like calm down yeah Just like I have a demo relax. reel from a university uh <laughs> interviewed the squash team um I have once you know whatever all this stuff and then he was just like, you know, you should really go work in a town outside of Toronto to get some experience. And I was like, okay. So then I just like sent out 40 packages across the country to like every CBC, global, whatever, from literally Whitehorse to Prince Edward Islands. God, imagine Whitehorse was the one you went to? Fuck. And after I wrote all of the packages of like my like DVD, personalized cover letter, like picture, all this stuff, I realized I'd put the return address on like the wrong side because <laughs> I'm an idiot because I'm like 23 years old. I remember my friend being like, oh, that's going to look super awkward for them to like get realizing you don't even know how to like mail something. <laughs> anyway, after sending all of those out, the only message I got back from 40 networks was one from medicine hat that was like, thanks for the package. We're good. Deflating. Yeah. And then, then I went, whatever. I ended up actually getting a job at this place called Fox soccer report. It was in Winnipeg. And they were like, I just knew soccer because I lived in England and like, I could just know soccer even a little bit more than someone else. It was like, okay, you know what this is. You can talk the talk at least even a little bit. We'll hire you. And then I was just kind of like, I was in Winnipeg and it was supposed to be an on-air job, but it was very much behind the scenes. Like I wrote people's scripts and I edited everything and I learned so much. You had to write other people's scripts when you thought that you had the on-camera gig? Yeah, but also like I should not have been writing their scripts. Like they knew soccer better than I did. Like I remember one guy and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He was so great. He just, he pulled me aside and he was like, 
Hey, like what questions do you have about soccer and like writing soccer highlights? I was like, I was like, don't tell anybody, but like, what would it be like, say in hockey, like, you know, you're doing this, what's that in soccer? And he'd be like, okay, it's like this. I'm like, okay. So in hockey, if you do this, what would that be called in soccer? And he just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like free translation.com, but hockey to soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, that's just like that. How would I write it? Like, how do you guys want me to write it? Blah, blah, blah. So I just, I, I mean, I'm glad I learned like so much with just like how to write it, how to do all that. Um, but yeah, going all the way there and not getting like a sniff on air was pretty bombed out and I just made great friends in Winnipeg and they were like they're some of my best friends now you've done so much though like it's so crazy like I mean I I always love hearing people's stories of like how they get started and that I mean that does feel very similar to like how I was with things like you send out the packages to everybody and you put all this stuff together you're knocking on every door like talking to Peter Mansbridge how do I do I remember I did something very similar as at a Bowmanville Eagles hockey game and Bob McKenzie was there because his son played for the team he was playing for the Bowmanville Eagles at the time. And yeah, he was there. And I was like, um, how do I get on TV? And he's like, uh, first of all, <laughs> no, he was actually so sweet. He was so sweet and so kind. He, he was great. I mean, I, I actually don't even like remember necessarily like, what that information was. I think he was just, you know, he was being nice because we were in public and I shouldn't have asked him. It was that moment where I kind of put him in a weird spot, but I didn't know any better. And you're, you're trying to like find a way to get your foot in. Yeah, you do what you got to do. No, I think it's like at that moment, what are you going to do? You're going to give them one of your cards that you've made like online somewhere and be like, or like ask for theirs and then like email back and forth or something like that. I like the like going out and, and kind of being a little bit bullish with like those situations. And also before we go any further, I remember you remember me doing my, and I'll like send you a picture if you put them up, but like, oh my God, what the weird demo that I like asked them to help me make at the score when I was interning, just to like, <laughs> I was like, Kate Manning threw 36 touchdowns. Like my voice was so high. It's like, I couldn't really like talk any lower. I was really nervous, I think. And you though, and I told you this before, it was like, I oh, first right, started right. writing about you when you were at like Bite TV and Spike. And like you left and it was like the job was open. And I remember like submitting something on Craigslist. That's how we did it back in the day. Yeah. On yeah. shady little websites. You're like, oh, you need someone on camera. Here I come. Where are we meeting in this back alley for the audition? No problem. Oh, I have to wear a bikini. Mm. Yeah. OK, let's maybe rethink it. But <laughs> so true. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is for like. Renee Paquette's show that she's on oh my god and then I got to this like casting thing which I think is so funny because I was listening to your pod with Jackie and she mentioned like casting thing like this doesn't happen a lot this just somehow happened for me early on like the first time and I see like 500 other women being like audition I was like shit and I just also remember that was the first time I ever had like talked about Randy Couture and then I worked with him this year I was like oh man I had an audition a long time ago uh and you were there, but obviously I didn't get it. But I was always like, oh, Renee. And then I watched your career, but I'd seen you from like all of the crazy stuff you did. Were you like skydiving and throwing yourself off of like a mountain? And like, I got paid $50 for that, by the no. way. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I got paid $50. Uh, and that's like, so like, I don't know if things are even like that anymore when people are like breaking into the business in that way. But I was so happy to kind of like have my own show. I was producing it as well, which like I didn't even know what that meant at the time that I was like, I guess I'm just going to like go book to do this. Cra What's other crazy shit I can do? But when I was going up to do that and they're like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to go skydiving. And I was on my way up there and Jason Agnew, who was uh, the executive producer at, at Byte at the time, he's calling me on my way up. There. He's like, I don't think this is a good idea. I think that somebody might have crashed and did not survive it at some point. And I was like, I've already committed. I don't know. I'm like on my way. I'm, I'm doing this. Like, yes, it, maybe it was 150. Maybe it was more than 50, but it was no, it was definitely not more than 150. Um, but I went to go do the skydiving. The best part was that the camera didn't work. So they're like, can you go up and do it again? I was like, Hey, now we're, now we're pushing our luck on that. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. 
now we're entering like really dicey territory if this goes wrong. I always loved those like kind of like bullshit salad days of like doing shows like that when you're just like you're winging it, you're figuring out who you are, you're you're trying to like figure out what those next steps are. You've got these like big stars in your eyes about like what's the next thing I'm going to go do. And oh my god, it's it's always such like a fun cool time kind of getting through all that. So you're going through all these things, you're auditioning. When did the gig with Fox come up? So you said 2013. That was your first big gig in the in the US, yeah? Yeah, I was working in Regina for two years um, as like a reporter anchor. And like, I still have such vivid memories there of like driving to Weyburn, Saskatchewan at like 9 a.m. on a Sunday because I had to shoot like junior curling somewhere where then like I would have to get those highlights then for like the six o'clock news that then I would do and then we'd do the 1130 as well. But like the amount of experience I got, like I still look back to it, pine back to it sometimes because of like the hockey connections I made. And I did a documentary on a hockey player, Ryan Murray. He plays currently Colorado Avalanche. He was injured for a lot of the season, but like I was on the ice at the end of the Stanley Cup and like I just saw his family and everyone. I was like, oh my God, like I did a documentary on you and your family like 10 years ago to the day. And it was just like one of those cool things where you can like, track back to kind of having that experience and knowing a lot of these guys and like, even like the head's got a Tampa on stage, like while I was announcing his pick, I'm like, man, I remember like asking you tons of scouting questions back like 12 years ago or something like that. And so those are some cool connections to have. So I did the documentary on Ryan Murray. He was with Octagon, the agency and his agent, Rick Follette was the man. He like, let me have all access to like, go behind the scenes with him, go to every, whatever, anything you want. We were actually sitting in the stands with Ryan's family with like a camera. Like we're not allowed to do that. We just were like there. Like, and we would walk into draft rooms and like follow him in with our camera. Like that's not allowed. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We did it not. And Here's it my was, credential. I know. And I edited it and it felt really great. That was like one of the, actually still to this day, one of the highlights of my life. And TSN called and they're like, hey, we want to air it. And Whoa, I was like, oh my God, that's huge. Yes, this is so cool. But we shot it in standard definition because oh, we were in Regina, shit. Saskatchewan. And I was so mad. I was like livid at my boss. I was like, why are we not in fucking HD yet? Like, oh my God, I would have been had, in like, tears. Documentary. Oh, I was. Yeah. I was like, I was pretty. He was like, well, like, you know, just nice to have the attention. I'm like, no, doesn't mean shit. Anyway, yeah, let's have the follow through. Let's like, yes, attention. Cool. But like, let's get the follow through. Not like, hey, I almost got to do this thing. That's really annoying. That feels like that would have been like one of those like make or break moments where you're like, oh, my God, I put all this hard work in. Now it's going to be on TSN. That's amazing. Yeah. Oof. So that was pretty shitty. Obviously, I have forgotten about that. Um, but uh, they Octagon and Rick introduced me to their manager, uh, one of their entertainment guys, like this guy, John Ferreter. And so uh I didn't know how any of this stuff worked. Right. They're like, come on down to LA. I still don't. Yeah. I didn't know. I was like, are you guys like flying me down here? They're like, no, honey. Like you're going to get your own flight, come down and stay in like a hotel. And I was like, okay. And so I went, um, and then they took me to like all these meetings everywhere. FS1, like local places, access Hollywood, all these. And I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, I like Alice Cooper. I shouldn't be at Access Hollywood. Like, I don't. I'm <laughs> God, not- I remember auditioning at Access Hollywood one time, too. And I was like, mm, I think this is a pass. <laughs> I think this is not the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, honestly, when I went to FS1, it was like, it felt so right. Like, I walked in there. Everyone was so nice. Obviously, it's on a, like, Fox lot. And then they were asking me tons of questions about Jay and Dan, who, of course, you know, from TSN. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys know Jay and Dan? Like, I'm obsessed with those guys. They're like, yeah. They're like, what else about them do you like? I was like, oh, everything. I was just like then talking to Jay and Dan forever, not thinking like, oh, they're going to hire them. And so I left that. And then they're like, send us some more of your work, blah, blah, blah. I did. And then they threw me down for an audition. And I'll never forget. Like, Was this with like Jacob Ullman? Was he part of that? Yep. Almond was there. Uh, he's probably the only one still there. Oh yeah. I didn't even know any of these guys. Like I'm in a room with like Eric Shanks is the head honcho and a couple other guys that were there. And I like, I had zero idea what I was in a murderer's row room of people. And I'm like, I like curling. Like, 
you know, whatever. It probably was like, whatever, refreshing that I was just like, I don't know how I got here or whatever. I'm definitely not going to get this job. And then, so came back down for the audition and I'll never forget me and this other woman who were, who were staying at the hotel. My audition was at 6 a.m. What? Yeah, 6 a.m. I was like, okay, definitely not sleeping tonight. To go through hair and makeup or like you were on camera at No, 6 I did my own hair and makeup and then like to get picked up at the hotel. And I was like with her and she, we were both wearing like the same outfit, but like she had brown hair and blonde hair. I was wearing a blue dress. She had red dress. We had like nude heels on and like a black blazer. And I was like, okay, so we're all 100% like the same type of person. And she's like, so where, where are you coming from? I'm like, um, Canada. She's like, where? I was like, Saskatchewan. It's like above North Dakota. And she's like, oh, where? Like, I know Hazel May. I worked with her. Like, where? I was like, Regina. Like, she knew how small a town I was coming from then. I was like, yeah, okay. She's like, yeah, I'm at Nesson, like something, you know, big in Boston. I was like, cool, cool. Yeah, I got no chance. And then I, we went through everything. And uh, I'll never forget being in like the makeup area where they just like did touch-ups and they're like, do you want fake eyelashes? I was like, oh no, I don't want something to interfere with me reading the teleprompter. Like, <laughs> ah, like what now? Oh I'd be my like, God. Yeah. <laughs> I was so I, the same for the longest time. I didn't know about fake eyelashes. I had not a fucking clue. I had no idea that that was like a thing. I didn't know how hair extensions worked. Like not a clue. Thank God somebody smartened me up. I know the eyelashes thing. I was like, I can't have something like in, like, what if it gets in my eye and I'm trying to read and I'm like, Oh no. I have a job to do. Don't you understand? Yeah, I, have, I have a job to do. <laughs> and then I asked the makeup woman, I was like, Oh, you know, making conversation. Like, do you have a busy day? You know, you got any more people? And she just like points to a list on the wall that had like 500,000 people's names. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. I'll just take a little anti-shine and be on my way. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw some really big names on there too. I was like, okay, they obviously made a mistake, which I'm still pretty sure they did anyway. Whatever, did the audition and then just didn't think about it afterward. And then about a month later, like my agent was like, yeah, they want to hire you. I was like, a jokes. But yeah, I think that also probably came for like a different amount of money than any of those other women who had been working in the States would have ever even entertained. Where I was like, you know. I would have paid to go there. Hey, that's 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 how it goes, right? There's always somebody younger than you that'll take the job for less money. I that's, hate oh, that. I, I hate, hate that, that shit too. I, I like, fucking hate it. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that. I had never heard that phrase before. And I was like, wait, excuse me. It's horrible. I was like, no, I'm just living in like poverty in like butt fuck nowhere. Like that's <laughs> that's difference. Where Pluck I wasn't me I had from been, Regina, like, please. The people were great there. It was, you know, very friendly, awesome town. But like I had applied for jobs in Barrie and Winnipeg back again, like to CTVs and Edmonton. Nope, not even a call back. And I was like, Am I destined to be here forever? Like, not even after two years. I feel like, I mean, I know you obviously have like representation and whatnot, but like, I feel like you go to bat for yourself all the time. Like you're booking meetings, you're taking things like you really, it seems to me and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you very much so have your career in your own hands. Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, I'd say for like what I, what I, um, the things that like, I know I'm like, very interested in doing I'll be like okay I know I gotta get this as this or like to these people or do this or that or that and then I've always told people because you know people that ask about agents and whatnot they're like oh I need an agent to do this as this I'm like agents are amazing they'll get your name in the room if you are high on their list or like you know figure that out your relationship with them but I'm like I will not leave it up to them to do it all because they have a lot of clients and other things they're going to do. So if I can be like, Hey, I've got a lead on something or I know something now, can you follow up? Or like, I think of them as like a glorified attorney in a way. And my current guy is awesome. And I just, I mean, actually the one that got me to the States, he sadly passed away about three years ago, right before he did my deal with Fubo and he died that week. And it was like, so just really random. And I was like, Oh my God. I remember before he died, he was like, you have to put everything into this. He said for the first six months, it's been three years of putting everything into it. But I was like, um, he's like, or it won't work. 
And he was also the one that told me to like take it because he started Arsenio Hall show and worked with Seacrest and Chelsea Handler and stuff. He's like, it's very difficult. Not often that you get offered your own show. And he's like, you are. And I had had another job to do something like kind of like an anchor type of thing. And he's like, do something different. And then he died. So I always think about him with like all this stuff, these awards. But yeah, anyways, yeah, long story short with, uh, I, I always tell like younger kids, like get someone that believes in you and the day. It doesn't matter about the letters. It doesn't matter. I always think about also who else they represent or who their connections are. But like, I just want someone who's like, Julie Stewart Banks. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to go into this room and be like, I have JSB. Not like, well, we also got this Julie or whatever, you know, like, well, not, or, or even doing that. Like, sometimes they don't <laughs> that, do that. It just doesn't <laughs> come up at all. Oh my gosh. I know it's really stressful because I feel like a lot of times, like I know for me when I was first starting, I put a lot of weight into like, I need to be at this agency. I need to be with this person. I need to do this thing because I felt like that just really meant so much. And it does. It definitely carries some weight. But you think like, okay, I've got that one thing. Now everything else must just come together, right? Now I get to go be Arsenio Hall or Chelsea Handler or whatever. It's like, When's that phone call coming? What's happening with that? What's going on? Um, but no, I mean, for you to be able to to have your own show, to do drinks with Banks, which I got to be on, by the way. You were our like first guest on the show because we hadn't we were like launching that day, I remember. But we saved your thing for yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah, that's right. Doing stuff in person because obviously been here for three I know years me too. or whatever it is now. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the Volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download three and out with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. So how was it for you being able to cover the Stanley cup? This was so cool. You and Jackie Redman, you guys got to go and hit the road together. Like you've got to do so many amazing things during your career, but we'll, we'll get into to doing uh, the Stanley cup playoffs because you are fresh on the heels of that. What was that whole experience like for you? Honestly, it was awesome for the show that we got to do together, which was such a product of literally being like at a bar and kind of like pitching the idea to someone just because we're like, Hey, and there's a couple other people, why don't we do this or whatever? And then it, it was funny. Cause like we, Jackie was obviously there for NHL network when we were trying to figure out like punishments for picking their own teams. Like, you know, I made the shirt that like I was wrong. And then I had to make one when it was like, I too was wrong. And people would be like working during the day. And I'm at like target getting like Sharpies, like writing out these shirts. So ratchet, but it like actually worked. That was Jackie. <laughs> Jackie gave me that idea. I'm like, well, oh, I'm trying to find like a t-shirt printing store. She's like, just like write it on a, on a t-shirt. I'm like, so true. Like that's way more also like fun too, to just like have that. And it was great because it was very much like improvised television for half an hour. So, you know, we would just be standing there and then we like see a guest come up and it would be like, okay, they like come on. And like, we would just like cheers microphones because people didn't know that we didn't have like commercial breaks. We'd be like, okay, so you exit now and the next person will come in. So we had, we had a lot of fun with that. It was very authentically like kind of who we were and who we are. And just even some of the moments, like there's such a great video of Jackie when she puts the, I was wrong shirt on for the first time. And it's like how she's like basically a, a, a WWE like diva. And she's like grabs the microphone and she's like, I was wrong. I was wrong. Okay. Like, and I was like, I, you, I can hear myself laughing. Like how I laugh when I'm so like, I'm like, I'm like laughing, like giggling, like a school girl. I was just like, I loved that she got so into it. And there were a couple of times that we had those moments where you're like, this is live TV or, you know, we're, we're like, Oh, we're making mistakes on stats or things like that. And it's like, that's just like what it is. And so I love that kind of format of like, Oh yeah. Who is the, who is it on that line? And they're like, yeah, whatever. If you know, put it in the comments. It's hard to be in a position like that because especially as like a woman, cause it's very much, if you, if you do flub something like that, it's like, Oh, I knew she didn't know what she was talking about. I knew it. 
But it's cool to be able to be in that relaxed environment. And obviously everyone knows that you know your shit. Everyone knows that Jackie knows her shit. So it's cool to be able to to rely on that and just be able to have fun and not have to be so like hard and fast on like this stat, this stat, these X's and O's. You can just like let that shit fall to the wayside and be like humans that enjoy the sport. Agreed. And Jackie was so on point to just like very much, you know, from the improv world, yes and everything. Like, there were moments where I was like, it's the first time we'd ever worked together before. So it was like, I'd be throwing curveballs at her. She wouldn't know how my personality is or like what I would say. And she would just like, she would go with it and like make fun of herself. I make fun of myself. We make fun of each other. And I like that after she has been in environments that are so professional, she was able to like really just like be herself with me and it not be like, I've been with people where they're like worried, like, oh man, my boss is going to kill me for saying that this is like, no, like she had the confidence to just be herself and do all that. And I love that. Cause I was like, this is great. You know, we had, we, and I felt like by the end, we kind of like figured it out. Cause you know, beginning you're like trying, I told her, I was like, it's like trying to dance with someone in middle school. Where you're like, uh, or like anytime you're just like, which way are you going? How close we getting? Where are we putting our hands? Yeah. yeah. What, where are you putting your feet? What's going on? Or any kind of <laughs> dancing. Yeah. Like, I can't. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was really cool to do that. And all of these things sort of came to fruition randomly. And even doing the conference final with the NHL third period live show in studio came a little bit randomly. And then getting to do TNT Turner stuff in the first round was like, absolutely a dream come true. And that came also super like late, like the week before and getting to do Toronto and Tampa. And I remember telling my agent to tell them like, they know I'm from Toronto, right? Like, I just want that to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> like I have videos of me as a Leafs fan. Um, and they're like, no, like we like the idea that like you understand the fan base and can kind of like talk about basically like the strife that they've been through. It's like, well, okay, cool. And so then doing those two games was like, it was just, it was just so, it felt so good. Like, this is what I'll say is, so I remember looking at the camera that was like up in the stands, like for some of my hits and being so excited to go on air yeah. and say what I wanted to say. There's been so many times you're like, I'm like, don't fuck up. Don't fuck yeah. up. Everyone in a bar is watching you right now. And they're going to see if you fuck up and you're going to be a meme. Like that would be me <laughs> when I used to do sideline reporting. <laughs> like that's so toxic <laughs> but after doing like the MMA show that I did for two months I'd never done an MMA beyond like whatever like a quick read or something on a highlight show and having to like learn that so well and like obviously no prompter no nothing and have to like look at a camera live on air and be like this is what's going on these are the stories like coming up with it and and I learned how to like really enjoy that moment and be like, I'm so again, like, I'm so excited to tell you about this. It's nice to feel that because really when you're in that pressure of like, don't fuck up, don't fuck up or like, oh my God, there's this one specific thing that I know I need to get in and like trying to work within those sometimes very stiff parameters can, it's hard to be like, I'm still really having a good time and enjoying myself. Like it can feel very rigid. Um, you were, I saw something when you were doing a hit during uh, the Stanley Cup play and you were talking about the thought that you put into those hits and how to make them different from everybody else's. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I feel like that's something a lot of other people can definitely learn from. Yeah, I think I really learned it when I was doing MLS and also college football where we would all be in the same meetings together. So you're getting the same information. So I always in my head thought, if I'm in these meetings, I, none of this is mine. Like it's all everyone's fair game. So I never would, I would have it and have it as information, but nothing like, even if I asked a question and I'd be like, Hey guys, can I have that answer? Cause I asked that question to that coach, but because the way brains work, people will just, if they've heard something, they might say it on air. Like I had that happen so many times. So I'm like, God damn it. That was my hit. <laughs> like I even told you, but it's just the nature of just like a human talking about something. So I regularly did a ton of interviews extra outside, like too many to just get extra stuff in case of, because in, in any kind of reporting in a game, like you can have oh, uh, three, four awesome stories hits. You're like, I'm going to get these in. And then it's like, the game goes completely different. You're like, okay, none of this stuff is relevant anymore. Now I've, I really have kind of almost like hits on like 
every guy that could potentially do something and have like something extra. And so I would be, so for TNT, they would have like different crews coming in for each game. Like the games I worked because ESPN had games one and two, three and four. I didn't meet my crew till 6 p.m. of like, you know, an 8 p.m. puck drop. So they had missed the meetings. I got to do the broadcast meetings with like Sportsnet and they kind of tell you, you know, what's going on that you don't use until the broadcast and it's kind of whatever. It's, It's very cool. So I would then go and use a lot of the stuff and tell it to the people that it would help. Like I remember going up to Keith Jones, who's in between the benches. And I was like, hey, Jonesy, be on the lookout, like Pierre Engvall from the Leafs and um, uh, Labushkin. These are like guys that Sheldon Keith said, like X, Y, Z, Z about. And so you're in between the benches. Like, that's a good hit for you. Right. And he's like, thanks. Like, you know, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, but that's your domain. And then like, I'd tell Edzo something about whatever and like, let the guys know what was happening because I then had gone and done other stuff where I was like, what can I add to this conversation that like these guys don't already know, can't figure out in the news, can't figure out by like watching warmups or even having heard those meetings. And so I went, okay, like you almost like an improv, we call it like, you know, like A to C something where it's like, okay, you have a microphone. How can we take this like to the next level? Also, like you've just covered so many other sports as well. How do you kind of pivot between those worlds? Because each sport has their own different languages. They've got their own intricacies. They all have like this embedded history to them. How do you maneuver between those worlds? I think it's not as difficult when you're kind of interested in them and watching them too. Like I haven't been as dialed into MLS and soccer, but like, it's still like a huge part of who I am and me. And I'll see a lot of guys and people I know, and I have so many stories about them and, and we'll be watching a game, like flipping it on. And I'll be like, Oh yeah, that guy, like blank, 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 blank. And then even during the pandemic, when I wasn't covering hockey or anything, we were watching the Stanley cup playoffs and I'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy, blah, 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 blah. And I was doing reporting just because of all the stuff you've picked up along the way of like, Oh, this is interesting. The one thing is just some of the sports. I like, again, like MMA, I did not know one single thing about it. And I was very upfront about it. Yeah. How was that whole experience doing that show? It was actually so awesome. I did PFL professional fighting league and it was so good. Like I was really, really hesitant about doing it. I was like, I don't know anything. And like, what? I have to go to Orlando every weekend. Like I can't MCO yeah, baby like, coming in hot airport again. Damn it. <laughs> um, and then first of all, as we know, in a lot of jobs, it's like all about the people, like no matter any job I've ever had has been the people don't care what level, wherever working for the Anaheim ducks was my favorite job in the world because we had the best time together. And I still hang out with like them when they come here and that I haven't had that job in like six years. So for PFL, it was like, everyone was super positive, helpful. I was super honest. Like, I don't know what a rear naked choke is. Like, I don't know what a coffin nail is. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. <laughs> and at one point, Renee, like I had to do in, my, in our first fight, because it was like a American Idol type thing. And I'm working with Ray Lewis and Tyron Woodley. I'm just like, okay, cool. I'll just like be here. And then things changed. But like in the first one, I was like, I had to do highlights without a monitor. And I don't know anything. And I also don't know what I'm looking at. So I remember just being like, okay, baby, here goes JSB's MMA improv that she's gotten like an hour of. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of fearless with that in that sense. And it was, we made sure that never happened again because I'm pretty sure it was pretty bad. But, um, <laughs> you know, just do it with confidence and no one will ever know. But it was really great. I learned so much. And I also was kind of surprised at how less violent it was than I thought it would be. And I think that like it helps that there's no elbows being thrown in PFL um, because these guys, it's like a league, like they have to keep, fighting throughout the rest of the year but I found their stories like wild because they're coming from all over the world and like like I would be reading their cards as they're like going on stage and like this guy like escaped like whatever this war somewhere and had foster family and like grew up like I don't know doing all the stuff you're like oh my god like these people have like the craziest ass stories um from all over the world so 
I genuinely really, really liked it. And then getting, yeah, to work with like Randy and Vitor Belfort and like all these guys. Some legends, legends in the game. Yeah, legends. And I'm like, so uh, yeah, I like play hockey, like there's fighting in that. <laughs> oh my God, have you seen that Ice Wars show, by the way? It's like the fighting, fighting on ice. Did you ever see that? No. Oh my God, I have to send you a link to it. It's great. Um, I can't remember where it aired, but yeah, it's like they set up like a rank octagon and they just have that. It's just hockey fights. It's pretty jokes. I want to see that because I know a lot of the guys were like, because I was like, oh man, watching hockey fights after seeing MMA, I was like, bang, this like sucks. And they're like, no, but that's so, it's so hard to have the balance on ice. I was like, okay, true. FanDuel has an all new mobile gaming app. FanDuel Faceoff. FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete in quick, fun games against other real people for real cash. It is all sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a home run derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle and strategy games, with more on the way. Now, contests are action-packed and last between two to five minutes so that you can play on your couch, waiting in line, during a commercial break, wherever, and on your schedule. Plus, you can practice for free anytime. Now, whether it be head-to-head, multiplayer, or larger tournaments, FanDuel Faceoff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you're going to be matched against players of similar skill level so that you're never totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Faceoff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. For me... I am a sucker forever and for always for a little Wheel of Fortune. I love me some Wheel of Fortune. So the fact that I can play this on my phone during my commercial breaks, during like, you know, ads that pop up during uh, all of our streaming products and whatnot. This is what I'm doing in my free time. One hundred percent. It just got a huge upgrade. I was playing like boring games before and now I'm in it. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. It's connected to my existing FanDuel fantasy and sportsbook accounts. You guys can keep some tabs on me over there. So visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off to download the FanDuel face off app and get in the game. So just visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off. Age and location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See www.fanduel.com slash faceoff terms for terms and conditions. What do you want to do? What do you want to do next? What is like the end goal dream job for JSB? Because you are a woman of many talents, as we've just discussed. You've worked so many different sports. You've covered the Olympics. You just came off working the Stanley Cup. Um, You've done so much shit. What do you want to do now? That's a great question. Uh, I feel like I've just lived like snippets of a life. It's like, oh, check mark. You've done these things, but like you haven't really fully done them like completely. Like, oh, you hosted a quote unquote like late night show, but like, did I? Not really. It was like for a bit in the pandemic, like online essentially. But um, I'd say like now I'm definitely trying to figure out like I have goals in place of like, I would like to work in hockey more. I know that that's like where my heart is. What better way to like reignite that than covering the Stanley Cup, right? Or to be like, that's what I want. It's right there. Yeah. And I think it was like being there, seeing everyone, knowing so many of these players and feeling feeling like I belong, but also like not just like, oh, a comfort level, but like knowing I really like this thing and like I love it so much and it doesn't matter the crazy travel or whatever you're doing. Like I want to work in hockey and someone can ask me a question in hockey and I can just like riff. Like I know it, I play it. It just feels like a good fit. Um, at the same point, like I'm still like very much open to doing so many different things. And I think that that's, what's interesting is through all of my travels, like my, and this kind of probably has hurt my career. I get influenced by so many different things. Well, especially in a world where I feel like everyone kind of has to be a specialist at something like I find that I can kind of shoot myself in the foot with that where I'm like, well, I mean, do you want me to do a cooking show? Because I can do that. Or do you want me to talk wrestling? Or do you want to talk MMA? Or do you want to like, I don't know, maybe I could do a home decor show. Who knows what's going to happen? Like, I feel like I can like participate in so many different conversations you can, you can do every conversation, Renee. And that's what I loved about your conversation with Jackie. I was like, 
Renee, you need like a national like primetime show. Like we're we're <laughs> well, I, I wish of you. I would love that. Like, you deserve it. And oh, thank you. I, my boyfriend, as he was leaving, he's like, "Oh, you're gonna have so much fun. Like you and Renee have like great chemistry." I was like, "Renee has great chemistry with everybody. That's like Renee. Like <laughs> you do, you do." Oh, I don't yeah, know. You're so, uh, like, I mean, I just your personality is like so charismatic and like attractive. You're like, oh, I want to hang out with Renee. I'm like, oh my God, I love that. As somebody that just sits in their house in this fucking corner all the time, it would be nice to hang out with some people. Please. I know, right? Like, have you like, want to come over? Do a show. Yeah, of course. I'm like <laughs> there today. Yeah. Um, do a show with people and like have fun and do that's what I missed pre pandemic. We had a show on. Sportsnet New York, SNY called The Thread. And it was like, we were all just personalities talking about sports. We didn't really have any experts on the show, but it'd be like, what do you think about this or that? And it would be fun because then you wouldn't have to talk X's and O's. I'd be like, oh, the Mets bullpen. I actually said this on air. I was like, the Mets bullpen is like herpes. You don't notice it until it flares up. (laughs) We, they were the, they're the broadcaster of the Mets. I'm shocked I didn't just get fired on the spot. Like they just like yank you off with one of those like hook. Like see you later guys. Um, I like drinks with banks. I think it has a lot more ability to do something. For sure, for sure, for sure. First, like not only does it have a great name, but like the wheels are in motion for that. Like, of course. Yeah, I'd like to take it obviously outside of my apartment and like make it kind of like an Anthony Bourdain-esque type of thing with people and in the sports world um, and beyond, but like mostly sports and sporting events and ideas. It's like, hey, you go to Wimbledon and you're going to like, have pims with like love me some there. pims like, oh my god do almost like a rick steves to be like super old school um <laughs> of like yeah, wherever we are and we're gonna go here and this and this and like just make it kind of more like a travel interview show yeah and then also i just want to be like super famous and rich so like however that comes about somehow afford this stupid new york apartment somehow have a job that would warrant that Um, I also started writing a book based on kind of like the Olympics last year. Like I hadn't even thought about writing a book. And then I was like. Wait, is it like biography style or not? It's like a journalistic book. It's a book that is not like about me, but it's parts of me are in it because I experienced some of the stuff. I got to rework it a bit because um, my literary agent was like, okay, so we've got seven rejections, but they're all like the nicest rejections I've ever seen where Olympic books technically typically don't do that well. Like people aren't like, I've got to get an Olympic book. It's like, you have to like then put it in a way where is this a book on like uncovering anything? Is this a book on like, you know, scandal? Probably not. I don't want to get my pants suit off me by the IOC, but like it's more on the athletes and what they had to go through to compete in a pandemic or not. In Japan, where it was like so locked down to like, like there. Yeah. And there's no fans. And like when I was there, like I still have like like PTSD over it, but like they didn't have anyone in the stands. And I always felt there was no energy exchange during yeah. the game where you would like feel like, oh, we're up or we're down or like whatever. It was like whenever they would come over to me because I was the pool reporter. So I was at every game, three baseball games a day. I would be standing there and I just ask them like the very simple questions. Cause also that's what we were like told to do too. But they would unload on me like every single feeling they had. It was like a cry fest every day. And I was like, man, then I would cry. Cause it was like, all our feelings are the same for the Olympics. Like you have a dream and you either like accomplish it or like you don't. And it's like fucking insane to be like, so one woman who was from Italy, a softball player, was like, you got the honor of like sharing the Olympics, like your mom played in, in the Olympics. Like, what does that mean to have been an Olympian? Been an Olympian, you just lost, is very final. And she just like fucking waterworks. Ooh, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, I mean, you literally work your whole life for that moment. And it's a moment that will come and it's a moment that will go. Then what? Now real life is ahead of you when you get home of whatever that looks like. No one would know what it was like there. That's what it felt like. I was like trying to explain it to people and it felt like trying to explain a movie no one had ever seen where they're also like, can you just stop talking about the Olympics? I'm like, 
I have so much stuff I have to tell you. Like I literally witnessed like the weirdest thing in the entire world. And then also to add in Beijing, where I interviewed a lot of athletes before they left. And like Jennifer Jones was like my dad, who's a curler, Canadian curler for all our Canadian crowd was like, (laughs) and like even guys that like didn't get to compete because they were close contact or quarantined or like who was deciding all this stuff. You'll literally live the rest of your days telling people how you almost went to the Olympics. That's the story. That's now the story of your life. I'm such an empath. I like want to reach out to some of these people that like didn't get to compete because of COVID and be like, hi, like I'm here for you as a therapist. Like, I don't know why, like, like I empathize with you in this regard because it was like really. And also then there's another investigative side to it of like, who's in the room deciding this? How do we know that any of this stuff isn't like contaminated? Then my brain starts going, I'm like, oh, let's do an investigation into. And then it's like, okay, we're going to need more than just you, Julie. (laughs) Who are your sources? To like take down like the WHO and IOC and everyone together, just like me. Oh my god! Which I kind of like the idea of, but um, YOLO not happening. Don't worry. As Jackie said on your pod, she's always wanted to do an Olympics. Like I've done an Olympics, but never for a host broadcaster. All I've ever wanted is to do like, you know, I got a little Tokyo ball that I caught last year here. I'm a big, oh my God, I'm such a loser. I have my Olympic mug too. <laughs> Represent. Represent. Like, you actually need a restraining order from the Olympics. I was like, I know. <laughs> It's their job to get it. Jealous much? (laughs) Yeah, you jealous? Yeah, I would like to do that. But I also think now at this point, it's kind of like there's a couple things on my vision board, but then my my imaginary vision board because I'm too lazy to make an actual one. I mean, I know people say they're really great, but I would feel like a school project if I was doing it. I, I can't bring myself to do it. Started doing it, bought all these magazines, and then I was just sitting there fucking cutting it at me. I got other shit I need to do. I can't. Is this going to look good in my room or <laughs> just like like literally a two-year-old totally. did this and put it totally. up? And I'll be like, why do I have that piece of yeah. shit in my room? <laughs> um, but yes, I, I and I like the vibe of like, you know, the like you, like the late night kind of talk show type vibe, that kind of stuff. Like, but that. Those things aren't even doing that well these days. There's no demand, so they say. There's no demand for anything, but I'll say what there is demand for is like these podcasts I started listening to that are basically just like about things you want to know, like about your body. Like what is metabolism? Or like, do I need eight hours of sleep? Or like, how much water do I need? Like actual just people questions and like, yeah. Oh, that's smart. I'm on like a big drinking water kick. I spent way too much time Drinking fucking iced coffee. I'm like, maybe let's throw like it's like going to the bar. Like, let's throw in a water between every drink. You know, let's break it up a little bit. I'm I'm on that kick right now. I'm on a very big. Um, I'm on a, a dental hygiene, skin hygiene. I'm doing it all, like the basics. What's the secrets? Well, I'm I'm starting Invisalign next week. Oh, nice, good. I just finished it. What was your experience? What I wanted to do was my bottom teeth. I wish I could show you before. I had like almost like a snaggle tooth. As my old roommate said, I always know when your Instagram stories come on because you have this tooth that sticks out. I was like, okay, a simple, you see my face. And uh, I was like, thanks. Um, She's sweet, but she was like, I was like, that's a jerk thing to say to somebody. And I noticed this like tooth that kept going up. So I did that. And then also I used to suck my thumb when I was a kid. So my teeth like went in. And so I did it. I would say it was like really quite annoying for a while because especially if you work. How long did you wear it for? I only supposed to wear it for six months. I wore it for a year because you basically add on any time that you don't wear it to like the end. So set, you know, 22 hours a day. If you only wear them, I would only wear them maybe let's just give it like 12 to 16 hours max. Well, then you just think about all those hours and you add them on to the end. So it basically did like another six months. And then the weird part is, is now that they're off, I can feel them move. And I have like, you wear it at night, but you can, it's almost like it's going to be a never, it's like a child. Like I can never let it be on its own. That's my fear of starting it. Then I'm like, you know what you're getting into now? Because now you're in it to win it. You've got to wear it all the time. Now you're going to be wearing a mouthpiece. You'll like it though. You'll, 
you'll like it. I think you'll, you'll at least see some changes and be happy. I, I was, I feel more comfortable at least smiling in photos before I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm always, I always cover my teeth. Cause I have like one tooth that like slightly goes in. I'm like, what is the shadow that's being cast? Cause I don't need that in my face. And you'll see them change. It's really weird. People listening who have had Invisalign, it's like they will move your teeth in a weird way. And you're like, why is this happening? And it's like to get like one out and then they'll like put it back in. Oh, it's like this God, like process. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So you'll feel at some point. At one point, I was like, why do it's I have It's got to get worse gap? before it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, well, you know what? It's okay. Work from home. I'll just adjust the camera angles. I'll just push. I'll push out. It'll be fine. I wish I'd done it in the panty, not when like ev- like when it was when intense quarantine, not when it was like we're going outside in the world and people would see it. Because as much as you, you call it Invisalign, we can all fucking see it. I see you are wearing a mouthpiece. Like I see it. I can hear it. All of it. People will be like just looking at it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I know I have heard it. <laughs> I know. I That's know. I, I wish I did it like two like, years okay. ago. But yeah, if you're wearing a mask is great. But and also apparently when you're pregnant, your teeth shift during that too. So I'm like, okay, it's good that I'm doing it. I mean, I would love to knock out having another baby. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I love how you had a baby and it's like I first of all I've never seen your baby. I don't even know if you actually had oh a baby. Oh my god, I'll send you photos of her. She okay. is like, <laughs> oh my god, is she ever like, fucking cute you and like, cool? You like had a baby, but like I don't know that you had a baby. <laughs> Did she have a baby? I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's all a ruse. I just wanted time off to eat carbs. Um, yeah, no, I'll send you pictures of her. She's a real, real cool dude. Big fan of that kid. She's a real sassy little number. She's very, very cool. Oh, that's so cute. I like how you say that because I'm like, I can't imagine being like, Tyler, like mommy's doing a podcast. Like, shh. That part of it's a doozy. Someone's watching her right now, of course. Um, Yeah. Yes, you're just like a dog in the other room. (laughs) She's like fingers on the outlets, eating things she shouldn't be eating. No, she's very, very cool. Um, Well, listen, JSB... I'm so glad that I got to have you on. Again, this is one of those things where like there were so many things that we could have talked about. Um, I just I find you fascinating, truly. Like I love watching your career. I love that you can hang in so many different conversations like you literally pop up in so many different worlds and just like own that shit. And I love that. So kudos to you. Keep crushing it. I don't, but I've just kind of like had it. I like in my career is to like a rickety roller coaster where you're like, you're not really sure what's going to happen. And like, should you get on it? Like it's my, what's the Wonderland one? The ghost ghost. I know. Uh, uh, the, um, uh, wildebeest, the wildebeest. Oh, I fucking love the wildebeest. That's actually the best ride at Wonderland is the wildebeest. Yeah, we were like, okay, it's not one of the new ones, but it'll give you a real scare. And also, <laughs> it probably is not like going anywhere special, but it might. You <laughs> it never know. Might. <laughs> definitely all over the place which I'm like that's what it's about the journey not the destination yeah guys just hang out for the journey we all saw the like galaxies of millions of millions of galaxies and stars so it's like whatever I'm just gonna YOLO for the rest of my life (laughs) Uh, well girl I'm so happy that I got to have you on here and that we got to hang out and yes we should have like a melding of our shows together and just see what happens why not a collab sesh I have lots of ideas that's one thing so we'll talk we'll chat We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. Big thank you to JSB for hanging out with me. This uh, we could have chatted forever. There was a, I, I also really wanted to talk to her about her workout regime. Like, I don't know if you guys, if you're following her on Instagram, um, but she does these like workouts and her body is shredded. I need some of that in my life. I I mean, obviously, it's the exercise. There's going to be some diet involved in that. Um, I wish I got into that, but we just we went on a deep dive of career work things and then uh, just bullshitting, talking about the future and other things that we wanted to do. So I'll just DM her or text her and find out the scoop on that. Unless you guys also really want to know that, then maybe we just do another round two or we do what we said we were going to do and just like merge our shows together. Drinks with banks combined with the sessions there's something there there's something cool there 100 percent um all right guys thanks for hanging out thanks for listening to another episode of the sessions featuring julie stewart binks 
go ahead, subscribe, leave a comment, give it a star rating, all of those awesome things. I actually, it's funny, I checked on these uh, the other day. Every now and then I do that. It's instead of like when people like Google themselves, I just like read the reviews that you guys leave for the podcast, which is really, really nice and cool. And you guys fucking rule. Um, so much appreciated. So keep up that good work, you guys. All right, I'm out of here. This has been The Sessions. Sessions.